0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Timing eventually does work out.
2: Yeah, be able to change a tire and walk on fire before you accept that date from your big person. And welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. And I'm Angel Giratana. And welcome back to our Jim and Pam season. Last episode, we discussed, you know, the early days of Jim and Pam, seasons one and two, approximately. So this episode, we're kind of picking up from the top of season three, post-Kiss. We're going to talk about the Karen era. And it, it's all going to be kind of focused on season three, because this season, A, it's just a great season of The Office. Oh, it's a great season. But it's also a season that's just packed with all of these different relationship dynamics that we see all the time in our non-fictional lives. You know, finally realizing that you want to be with someone and now they're unavailable or the reverse. You get rejected and now you have to set boundaries and move on. And also this season shows so much personal growth, especially on Pam's end. Honestly, I don't think I would have wanted Pam to be in any relationship before she learned some things for herself. So Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about all of it. It's going to be a good one. Get ready, get seated, get buckled up because here comes the jingle. We're going to go into relatable content. Content. (laughs) We're going to go into relatable content where we really spell it out for you. If you may have been in a Jim and Pam situation, because sometimes it might be hard to recognize, you know, when you're in it. My first one is you may be in an awkward Jim and Pam situation. If you've expressed feelings for someone, And now you have to be around them all the time knowing they rejected you.
1: Relatable much? You may be in an awkward Jim and Pam situation if now post-feelings confession, you have to watch them navigate the dating world without you a part of it.
2: Yeah. You may be in an awkward Jim and Pam situation if you're watching... Ugh, this kills me. You're watching your crush pull away from you in real time.
1: Oh tragic because that also is for it's socially i think we see in season three pam loses her buddy in the office
2: yeah yeah and even in those in those little moments we talked about last episode where like big group scenes happen and the person you find eye contact with the first time that there's like a big moment i think it's in the merger where they all go down to the parking lot they're leaving the building they're leaving yeah, they're the leaving building. the building and jim like Is detention goes on Karen and you see Pam just deflate. She doesn't even know he's dating her yet, but she's like, wait a second. I'm not, I'm not his number one. Yeah. Oh, and I'd argue,
1: I feel like they don't, Jim and Karen don't start dating so we could get Pam feeling like she's been replaced friendship wise first. Yes. That's really important because you may also be in a Jim and Pam awkward relationship when you lose a friend. Yeah it dampers your friendship big time.
2: Mm-hmm. The reward is high, but also like the loss is huge. And I think that's why Jim is so hurt this whole yeah. season and spends yeah. the whole season, I think, recovering. But I do think he does a good job at being her friend a little bit. Yeah. I don't really fault him this season. If I was Jim's friend, I would say, Jim, I think you're doing the right thing. You're going. You're trying to start new. You're putting up on a healthy amount of boundaries to try to move on. And I mean, when he, he walks in from the merger to get his gift
1: back or whatever, already hugging her and like responding to her and having such eye contact, I was like, he's being a better sport than I would have been
2: yeah. really good sport about it so this leads nicely into my next one was you may be in a gym and Pam situation if you overcompensate your hurt feelings by putting yourself in a position to be a confidant to your crush or to their new relationship to prove like how fine you are that was a perfect transition
1: and that is so toxic right there oh you're talking to like the main player of that team I Oh, I think this happens a lot because you feel like that was your fault. The discomfort that Pam is in is not because she said no. It's because Jim said hi. It's that he opened the door. It's not that she closed it. So it's easy for the Jims of the world to want to make up for it.
2: And I think we see Pam. She sees it slipping through her fingers. So in order to keep him i think in any way in her life because she right now really doesn't have him at all as her friend she's like no I'll talk to you about your relationship I'll be fine when he, Karen and him have the weird fight about like her moving down the street from him yeah so she does that to try to keep jim in her life yeah. and then with Karen she the whole like party planning thing she's like no look I'm good I'm fine I can be her friend and then I can like keep them in my life and I I remember doing this like on AIM as a fifth grader being like Oh, no, Jimmy, I'll talk to you about Kelsey. Like, that's fine. I'm fine with it. And I think that that pattern has continued.
1: What is this unspoken rule that we give ourselves where it's like, oh, I get to make up for everything I ever did and look like the best person ever if I confess my feelings and then become a chill girl about it all? Oh, my God. Who decided that that's the medal of honor that you get at the end of it? Because it's hurtful.
2: Yeah, truly the like notion of a chill, of being a chill girl, I think has hung over millennial women's heads since that time, since we were on AIM.
1: And I'd say chill boys too. I mean, personally, I remember like a guy in college telling me he liked me and then trying to like put on this weird fake, I'll be your bud to talk about dating. You don't have to do that. No. That that doesn't make it better.
2: And you shouldn't. No one should. You're not ready. And we see Pam not be ready for it, which we'll talk about. I have one
1: that's like based off of the one you just did. A little bit. It's like half that. It's that like you may be in a Jim and Pam awkward relationship if somehow now your friendship, like you're not being yourself. Jokes are coming out weirder. Oh, yeah. I.e. when she goes to the vending machine and she's talking about Jim's sleep patterns. I hate this scene so much. We lose all of Pam. We lose Pam. She <laughs> leaves her character and she goes into another body of a Absolutely. very awkward person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we've been there when we're like, I want to find something to say to you, but I'm hiking mountains to tiptoe around the elephant in the room, which is obviously yeah, Karen. Exactly. My last one is you may be in an awkward Jim and Pam situation if you know you're with the wrong person, but putting it all on the line to be with the right person feels too big of an emotional risk right now.
0: Oh, God. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That wrong person feels right because of the scary emotional risk that you don't want to take. Mm-hmm. Like the fear of getting on the 405. Okay, let me make this connection. Okay. Yes. The fear of getting on the 405 is more scary than getting on it itself. So you'd rather just take the streets. Yes. And the streets suddenly are moving faster, not because they are, but because it's not the 405.
2: Yep. Suddenly, you're like, you know what? Wilshire's lovely. Oh, that was me really reaching to try to find an LA reference. It's been so long. So, that brings us into it. So, let's talk about where we find both of them at the top of season three. One of the first shots of season three is Pam, you know, looking at where Jim's head once was, which is now Ryan's head. And (laughs) so good. (laughs) And having a flashback to right after their kiss on casino night oof! so let's let's roll this little clip roll the tape
0: you have no idea how long i wanted to do that me too <laughs> i think we're just drunk no i'm not drunk are you drunk no jim you're really gonna marry him
1: Oh, Oh. are you drunk, Megan? Am I drunk? Oh, that's so sad. Are you really going to marry him?
2: It kills me. Uh, I think it's also like deeply in my subconscious, like sometimes with other people that I am crushing on. I'm like, if I was going to say anything to them, it would be, are you really going to marry her? So then, you know, obviously we're now in season three. Jim has left Scranton. He's working in Stanford. And Pam, we learn, has called off the wedding. So let's just spend some time kind of diagnosing for both of them why they handle it the way that they handle it and where it leaves them at the top of season three to start the season three journey. So let's start with Pam. I think in this moment, in this kiss scene that we just played, I think she panics. She's just told her mom that she's in love with him. Now he's kissed her. She's kissed back. Like, let's be clear, Pam be kisses clear. back. Mm-hmm. And the metaphor, I was trying to like, think of what it is and, you know, stay with me. I um, think yeah. it's like when you get to the edge of a diving board Okay. and you know, you're up there, you're above the water and you jump. But as you jump, you panic about the consequences of falling in the water. And so you don't commit to thrusting your body forward so you jump off the diving board it's that awkward little like hop yes where you just hop up and down on the diving board like quivers and shakes and you don't get in the water i think that's what happens because i think in the moment she goes into full defense mode and that's why she's like i think we're just drunk and says she's gonna marry him because jumping off the diving board making that decision right now in the moment is too big a decision for pam beasley to make
1: Exactly. I mean, I would say like just like the diving board. I would say it's like when you want to get on the four hundred five. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but no, that's a perfect metaphor. The diving board thing, and I think her body—it's a very physical thing where like she just needs to grab him and kiss him as well. And I mean, it's like a sad and vulnerable truth that I and own up to that I've used alcohol as like a defense mechanism for putting myself out there. And I think right. literally a lot of people have. And then you just like use it to be like, we're just acting off of impulse more than normal.
2: Even though your impulses are your impulses for a reason. Even though some would say you should pay thousands of
1: dollars to go to school where they'll tell you to follow your impulses. Right. And that's <laughs> exactly.
2: Yes. Yeah, so I think she panics. I think for Jim, and we've already spoken to this a little and we'll continue to, he gets rejected twice and we, he has years of build up. And I think that this just destroyed him. And I think what's so interesting you know, trying to analyze Jim and a lot of their relationship is because of the nature of the show. We don't get to see these real private moments with these people because we only see them at work. You know what I mean? We don't get to see Jim break down when he gets home from casino night. We don't get to see these intimate moments that we might get to see on another television show. So I guess what I wonder... Is do you think Jim really processed this heartbreak and how much it meant to him? Or do you think that he just kind of like jumped into survival mode and was like, can't process it? Mm, great, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. This is what I'm doing. This is my new plan.
1: Yeah. I think by having the survival plan, he already wasn't going to process it. Does that make sense? Mm, like, yes, I think it's easy. If you don't want to get on the 405, 405- no, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm literally done. So, I think that when he decided that he had something to fall back onto, that was going to be his put the covers over my face. That's it. And he already mm-hmm. had it prepared. So right. it's even easier for him to just be like, I'm getting in the car. I'm moving. Now I have to worry about my lease. Now I have to worry about my new yeah. job. Now I'm worrying about the new things. And like, sure, I go to bed at night and I think about this one thing and I'm handling it maybe a little. Just the nature of a move just suppresses so much of what was going on before the move
2: right and you're right he had that as you said last episode so brilliantly that was part of the plan you know what I mean? yeah. like he had a fail safe basically
1: so i think he's suppressing it and also i think suppressing it is makes for better drama
2: makes for better drama and is also this will continue to be a theme especially once they are in a relationship i don't think jim and pam do very well talking about their feelings and what they want i don't think jim does a whole lot of self work and self-processing yeah
0: which
1: I don't blame him for. I mean, like, it doesn't seem like feelings in their relationship in the early stages are respected. I mean, mm-hmm. the second she bring, he brings up his feelings, she's just like, oh, it's just alcohol. Right. You know? It's not a good foundation, but it's also a very similar foundation to, like, all relationships. So yes. I
2: get it. Especially, you know, when we're younger, h- who has the emotional training of a relationship? Like, relationships are what teach you to communicate your feelings unless like we said you've spent way too much money to go to acting school and communicate your feelings. I do think they get better, but I think right now he just like doesn't have the skill set to be able to process her and this hurt.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the world of the show. The world of the show is that feelings are kind of like getting in the way.
2: So I think his reaction is to get himself in a situation where he can't get that hurt again. I think that that ends up being Karen where it's not a high risk situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, you even see him suppress the Pam stuff when Karen is doing similar office friendship-like vibes. You just see him rarely seek out friendship from her in the beginning.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's not engaging in the same way. And I think that's that's being on the defense. Mm-hmm. Sports. Sports. He's on the defense, throwing it down the field. Yep. So, but before we get really into the Karen stuff. I want to talk about a moment that happens at the top of the season, and that is the phone call scene when Jim calls to Granton and Pam picks up. Because I think, you know, if you're watching the scene and you're seeing how much chemistry these people still have, you might ask the question, why don't they just get back together? They clearly still care about each other. So let's play the phone call scene and let's talk about it.
0: So So do you Oh I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh no, I um everything's pretty much the same here. Oh good. A little different. What time is it there? What time is it here? Um we're in the same time zone. Oh uh, yeah, right. <laughs> How far away did you think we were? I don't know. Felt far.
2: So I listened to, uh, again, uh, Jenna Fisher and yes. Angela Kinsey's podcast, The Office I'm Ladies. Just
1: plugging like some indie podcasts. Yeah.
2: You guys, <laughs> some upcoming artists you may yeah. not know about, but they interview BJ Novak again, um, up and coming indie writer. Yeah. Um, I think you can catch his stand up on YouTube. Dying for him to have more opportunities. Dying. So he talked about how he wanted this phone call scene to be strung throughout the episode to like have little clips of it here and there. And then he also kind of mentioned, I think I at one point had the idea for the entire episode to be this phone call and have it be like a one-off kind of standalone episode because he was like, I want it to feel like a three-hour conversation. And Rain Wilson in the same interview described it as two people who barely know they're in love.
1: That's a really cute way to
2: say it's it. It's not lovely. It's not even in denial. It's just like they barely know it. I think part of the barely knowing they're in love is partially due to the fact that they barely know themselves right now. And there is so much unsaid that they don't know how to say. They don't know how to say what they want. Pam doesn't have the skill set to say it truly until the end of the season. And as we just said, I think Jim is really still hurt and also not processing. So I don't think that they're at the point yet to have the conversations that they need to have to be together and that's what this phone call illustrates. I think it's just also, it's in there, I think to give us a little bit of hope of like, these people clearly still have chemistry and they are so right together, but there's so much that's unsaid, like literally it's a phone call.
1: At this point, they dangle this piece of bake. they're like, don't worry, we're layering it all there and don't worry, you're old fashioned, good old Jim and Pam, you're still gonna get some smells of it.
2: And then obviously I think a big part of, why they don't get together right when he gets back to Scranton, is Karen. Lovely Karen. Bring her in. Rashida Jones, everybody. Rashida jo- Everyone, and welcome to the podcast today, Rashida Jones. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Rashida, I'm a huge fan. Um, Rashida, you've been trying to come on the podcast for a
1: really long time, huh? On the reels, I'll say Rashida Jones, incredible casting. In-
2: incredible part. casting incredible like so likable it's perfect it's perfect she and that's what the thing i think we would hate karen so much more if it wasn't rashida jones and that's partially why it's so brilliant she's smart we can't hate her she's not like amy
1: adams like the hot girl that like she She is fucking rad she
2: like works hard i think part of you know becoming an adult and growing into the full powerful women that we are is realizing that Karen is awesome, and we were wrong to hate her. And the only reason we hated her (laughs) is she wasn't Pam. Because think about if we knew Karen in our lives. Like, Karen, I think, is more like our friends, or at least I think Karen is more of like the modern go getter woman that we spend more time with now.
1: Karen is the girl that we're describing to Jim while he's upset about Pam. And we're like, you deserve somebody like this.
2: You need somebody who's ambitious, who's smart, who's gonna push you. She looks great in a pantsuit. She doesn't take she doesn't take shit from men. She stands up to Michael. She stands up to all these guys. Like, Karen oh, is awesome.
1: She comes in bold with these jewel tones. Meanwhile, yes. Pam lived in the pastels. Yes, we're like really meeting someone that just lives life to the fullest pantsuit.
2: Yep, <laughs> live your life to the fullest pantsuit. Time with her. So we love Karen. There is nothing wrong with Karen. However, she's in a shitty situation. And I think a lot of people get themselves in a Karen situation. So to figure out if you are the Karen of a love triangle, we're going to go into the first ever part two of Relatable Content. Relatable, relatable. Mr.
1: Worldwide. Relatable. That was the DJ remix. Oh my
2: gosh, I'm so glad. We're getting so many great collabs on this episode.
1: Pitbull was on this.
2: So you may be the Karen of a love triangle if you're dating someone who still spends a lot of time with their ex or even just their ex-crush.
1: And that, I think is a fear of many that also kind of freaks people out about any friendship.
2: Yeah. You may not be. We're just saying it may be that situation. It may be the case. Yeah. I also think you may be the Karen of the love triangle if the friends or like the community of the person you're in a relationship with are always making reference to their ex or to their ex crush. Yeah. Yeah. Like if all of their friends are like, oh my God, like Wendy and Steve, that was such a dramatic love story. And you're dating Steve. Get out of there! Get out of there! People are still talking about Wendy. You don't want to. You don't want to be a part of this.
1: Get out of there! Okay, this one's so specific that it's funny. Where you are the Karen of, in a love triangle, where your new partner literally left a community that they were a part of, and then you see them come in contact with something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, remember, I wanted to like learn how to watch somebody in their reaction to their communities and their relationships. Mm -hmm. And I would think seeing a man like go to his last job with all these walls up and he's like really nervous and you have no idea why he left in the first place.
2: Right. "Mm, I don't know. Maybe you're the Karen. Maybe you're the Karen. There's clearly something they're not telling you because Jim doesn't tell Karen about Pam. Which,
1: okay. I mean, I, when the merger happens and we're going back and we're leaving Stanford or whatever, you have to tell her, Jim.
0: You have to
2: tell her. It's r- She's going in blind. I also think you may be the Karen of a love triangle if you are the driving force in the relationship constantly. Whether it's something as big as taking the next steps or even as simple as planning a date night, planning a trip, day-to-day conflict resolutions, if they have not taken one enthusiastic step forward, it's always been you. You might be
1: the Karen. It's rough. This one's hard. But I think they made a great attempt at in the beginning of the Jim and Pam stuff at at showing like he went to her desk and she also went to his desk. Mm-hmm. You never see Jim go to Karen. You nope. only see Karen standing up near his desk. Yep. But I do think there is something to be said about literally meeting in the middle. Yeah. You may be a Karen if you're just the one that's always headed over to their office space or their house. Mm -hmm. There should Mm -hmm. be some equal footing there.
2: I also think you may be the Karen of a love triangle if you've had a million conversations about the person they've told you not to worry about and you still find yourself worrying.
1: That's your gut, baby. And we went to theater
2: school to tell you, follow your gut. Follow (laughs) that. You know, your body knows. Your body knows. But also in Jim's defense... Karen straight up asks him, do you still have feelings for Pam? And he says, yes, he says he does. And then Karen's response is to have a lot of long conversations about it. If someone straight up tells you, yes, I still have feelings for this person, Leave it. You're not going to, I don't think you're going to change their mind. And you're especially not going to change their mind through five nights in a row of long conversations. Exactly.
1: And when he starts talking to the camera about like, yeah, we've had like really long talks. The only long talks he should be having are with a third party, yes, a therapist, or his like journal. The more you hear about this, the messier it's going to get. Karen. Exactly. There are some conversations that you have to have with him. But like dissecting any more of this is crossing an emotional bound boundary. Do not cross. And also, I'd say you're in a Karen relationship where you feel like those conversations are your responsibility because they're not.
2: Yes, they're not. It should be equal partnership. And this goes really nice in my next one. My last one was you may be the Karen in a love triangle if you find yourself acting out of character like a desperate, fragile, crazy person that you know you're better than because mm-hmm. this relationship has made you feel so insecure. That move, insisting on the four nights, five nights in a row of long talks and other things she does does, I think, come out of her being so insecure in this relationship. She's uh, grasping at straws to try to, like, pull it together. Exactly. And I think they make a point at
1: showing us that this is the relationship, not Karen. Like when you meet people in the office, that's very clear when they're like not grounded in reality and when they are. And yeah. they introduce Karen to be so level-headed and so smart that when she starts doing this stuff and starts feeling weird about Pam, that you know it's the situation, not her. She's not being crazy.
2: Yes, absolutely. I think Karen throughout this season is so relatable because to put oneself in Karen's shoes, she is... Stuck in Stamford, Connecticut. Yeah. Not a lot of prospects besides, I mean, Andy is who she sees every day. Yeah, And then in comes this like charming, charismatic guy who's good at his job. Of course she falls for him and she falls for him hard. I mean, watching hard. Karen watch Jim, she is lustful watching oh. him. She's so smitten.
1: And he's so not picking up on it.
2: No, even the episode where he like gets her the chips. I would fall in love. I've fallen in love for less. I would absolutely fall in love if someone spent their day to get me chips. Give me
1: one chip I'll fall in love.
2: (laughs) I don't even need a fucking bag. Give me one. Give me a bite. (laughs) Give me a bite of your Cool Ranch Dorito. I'm yours. She's just, and this is what we talked about last episode, when we have a crush, it's like we're blackout drunk. So similarly, I think this is what we all do when we like someone a lot. We do whatever it takes to make it work. It's so much so that I think she was willing to move past all of the red flags that he was, A, a shitty boyfriend, and B, still in love with Pam. And I think that explains kind of like some of the shitty stuff about her, like some of the clinginess, her shade towards Pam. And so I think big crushing combined with insecurity is a crazy bad combo.
1: And what we were talking about last episode about crushing before the relationships, one thing, when you like actively have a crush – and you're in the current relationship like that's extra. You can't be drunk because now we're talking about your relationship to love, Karen. This is not mm. just like you pining after a man. Now you have him. Right. Now it's about like how you respect yourself and him. This isn't the chase anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you have to actually be met in the middle. And she's still acting like she's like chasing after him. When yes. Really. He's not meeting her in the middle. And I think if she just paid attention to that, this whole thing would have been avoided.
2: Right. That's another one, too. You may be the Karen if you still feel like you're chasing the relationship when you're in it, which brings me to I just need to talk about one specific Karen moment because I think the cringiest moment of the show, cringier than Scott's tots, in my opinion, <laughs> is the Karen hug. Do you know what I'm talking oh. about? <laughs>
1: Tell the listeners.
2: I I left my body with Ugh. a how cringy it is, and also how like viscerally familiar pulling this move is. I, it made me want to vomit. I think it is that episode we were referencing after the long talks. It's the middle of the day. You know, you see her lustfully looking at him, talking about their long talks and how they're quote unquote better than ever. And she crosses the room a long oh. dramatic cross, like from upstage left to downstage oh. right, and just. Hugs his back. And he doesn't return it at all. God, she just hugs his back like it's a
1: fucking wall. Like it's literally not gonna move. There's no returning that hug with that position and that angle and that whole intention. It's just sad. I don't know how you feel that hug and not immediately drop everything and leave. (laughs) Yes.
2: That should have been, you know how like Toby eventually touches Pam's leg and then hops the fence and like moves. that 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 should have been that moment (laughs) but okay what i challenge us all to do dear listeners is i i think we've all done this i think we've all been so desperate well okay i don't know maybe just i have i've i'm gonna own it you're not alone megan you know how some couples will like grab someone's hand when they're in public together or they'll like have a very public kiss And it feels like weird and performative and unearned because you're trying to force the chemistry. I think we should just all reflect because I think we've all done it. And again, insecurity makes you do crazy things. And nobody deserves to be in this place where they're cringe hugging. Karen didn't deserve to cringe hug.
1: She kind of does it performatively, wanting an
2: answer. And I don't think she gets it. No, I don't think she gets anything from that hug. (laughs) Is there anything, though, in the Jim and Karen relationship that we think does work, that we do like, are there any ways in which she's good for him? Interesting. You go first, because I need to be inspired. What I was thinking about is, I think when we pine for somebody for so long, as Jim did with Pam, we lose ourselves in the pine and in the fantasy and in the crush. And I think Jim needed to just find himself again and get to the point, him and Pam both, but where they didn't need each other for their happiness, that was important. And I don't think they're awful together. They laugh, they banter. They're both very ambitious in their careers. In some ways, maybe Karen made him more ambitious in his career. But mostly I think my take is that she's a rebound and she does what a rebound is supposed to do, which is build your confidence back.
1: No, I totally agree. I think there are some great things about it. I think it is important that Jim... Changes up his view in his romantic life, not just being a chase, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. He could have been a fuck boy. So this was nice to see him in a relationship be like, actually sit in the bed he made and have responsibilities and take care of somebody else. It is good to know that, oh, he's not just going to like pick up and leave because he just wants one thing. And he's like a fucking 18 year old. He's like an adult.
2: Yeah, he didn't give up on love. He wasn't like, fuck this. I'm just going to go fuck a bunch of girls. This
1: is what he wants for his life. Yeah. Whether um, it's with this person or not, this is the type of lifestyle he wants. And he proves it to us a little bit, which is good.
2: Yeah, that's true. I think in the non-fictional world, the gyms of today would probably turn to fuck boyery in response to that kind of emotional damage. So you're right. I think it's impressive that he doesn't. The fact that he
1: follows his gut a second time after being rejected and then is told we're just drunk
2: would damage any little boy walking these streets Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we should talk about why ultimately they don't work the thing is the relationship isn't so obviously bad it's not pam and roy so i think it's harder to find why they don't work but i think there are two big reasons that speak to i think the core of who jim is The first is that I think it's about their values and how their values line up. Jim really values people. And this is partially because he's not passionate about a career in paper, but generally, I think his relationships are very high in his, you know, values system or whatever you want to call it. And we see this throughout the whole series. We see him organize, you know, the Office Olympics in the fire when he starts the games that they play outside. And we see this specifically differ from Karen on this when after Dwight pepper sprays Roy and... He's looking for a way to repay Dwight to thank him. And he's like, Karen, what do you think I should do? And she goes, why don't you sell some paper so we can go on vacation? No shade to Karen, because that's fair. Like, go on vacation. But I think for Jim, people are just so much more important to him. And then in the final episode of season three, when they're interviewing for the job, and she's kind of like, you don't have a future in Scranton. Not only is she implying, like, you need to get rid of Pam, but I think she's kind of devaluing what those people mean to him. And then in the interview, Pam leaves him the little note of like, don't forget us when you're a big star with the Office of Olympics yogurt yeah. cup medal. And he says to David Wallace, the thing I appreciate the most about that job was the friendships. I think that's just like a fundamental difference in them.
1: Wow. Over that statement, because I will say what was scary about this topic that you've just brought up is like wow is the difference between a relationship that works and that does it is just sparks because i think a lot of people i would talk to right now have found their person and it wasn't like sparks it was just like oh we're great together i think you do see a little bit of karen so it is kind of nerve-wracking to be like Oh my god, like am I with my Karen? Are we all with our Karen? Just because we don't have these moments where we like follow each other into the office after a big casino night, right. does that mean this isn't my person? But I think you're right. What you just said, the captain of my ship, um is that there's fundamental differences that we see with them. Some of the same stuff you just described for Jim, we see in small different ways for Pam. Like even our little activity within Angela's love life about Dwight. She's there. Karen wouldn't have done that. Like that is something that they enjoy in life. They enjoy the people in their lives more than I
2: think the opportunities. Yes. And which is, I think, a fundamental core theme of the show, too.
1: And I think it's a fundamental reason why they're still in that office and why Karen wouldn't be at that office. Right.
2: So there's that. I think it's the fundamental values of it all. And then I think the second thing is what you just spoke to, and it is the she's not Pam. I do think some people end up with their Karen or or at least stay with their Karen for years. I think it's the relationship that you have or a friend has where you're like, everything's fine. Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. I have a great time with them. I see a future with them, but there's just not the X factor. Yeah. You know, not everyone has met their Pam. And that's fine. And that's not to say that you can't end up with your Karen. I'm sure they would have they would have been happy and they would have been fine. Yes. I just think at the end of the day, it's not Pam.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, the office doesn't cover this, but I feel like, go with me here, the Jim and Karen thing, besides, like, him running from another woman that he's in love with, also reminds me of some of my friends that date people and they just have, like, really good sexual chemistry.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're like, you know what? If you guys do that, you enjoy the same brunch places the day after. Like, I'm not getting in your way. In my world, I feel like they had a great sex life. And Jim was like, I don't want to always try to earn someone's love. This works. Right. And I do think it's important for people who are sometimes like chasing other people to have some steady love. in. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it like makes you wake up in th- the next morning with like a grin on your face, at least like you know that is out there
2: too. Some people would rather that. I think also some people, you know, just kind of want someone to be their buddy and to have someone to do things with and have like companionship.
1: Yeah. I feel like especially people like in their early 20s or 30s are still dating their Karen.
2: All right. So that's Jim and Karen. But now let's talk about Pam because I think this is Pam's season. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Pam's problems, I think, are actually best diagnosed by Gil, Oscar's boyfriend at the time, who comes to the art show. And he says, real art takes honesty and bravery. And then Oscar says, well, those aren't Pam's strengths. I think we really can diagnose it as Pam needs to get more honest and Pam needs to get braver. Yeah. I've laid out some key things that happen to get Pam to the end of the season. Hell yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about is that when we start this season, we've learned that she's called off the wedding and she's moved in on her own. This is the first time Pam's been alone since she was 17, it sounds like.
1: Oh, I totally believe that. Right? I buy that. And this is, yeah, I mean, we all have those people in our lives where they like finally did a a breakup you never thought you would see coming. The season starts and you're like, oh my God, how is she doing? She's without her best friend in the office and now she's like alone, probably for the first time in a long time, yeah.
2: I've been through a really big breakup of someone that, you know, I was together with for a long time and it was such an important part of my life. And so when this season started, I was like, yes, single Pam, she's taking art classes. I think as a friend, again, Pam not having many female friends, you want to like hype her up. But I think the difference is, is unfortunately for Pam, because she broke off the engagement, not just because she's like, I want to be single. I want to be alone. Like, that's not why she broke it off. She broke it off because of Jim. We want it to be single, confident Pam figuring herself out. Yes. But she's not. She did it because yeah. she she still wants to be with Jim for the first half of the season. And that's what's so brilliant about this whole thing is yeah. she to
1: fall on her face just like Jim
2: got to do it. Her goal isn't to figure out how to be on her own yet. Yeah. And I think
1: that for a lot of relationships, I never buy anybody's relationship if they came straight off of another one. Absolutely. Um, you're a whole being in itself. You have a lot do before bringing in a whole other person. I probably would have felt weird if it was just like straight from Roy to Jim.
2: I'm a, I'm a big fan of single time. I That's why I don't trust when people go from relationship to relationship to relationship.
1: And it's not even like, I don't even trust it. It's also like, I wish they had that. I wish they had their art show. I really do wish everyone has that and has that moment from Oscar being like, oh, these are some harsh truths about you when you're by yourself without somebody else. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that she needed she needed to hear it.
1: May we all have our art show in between our relationships. Yes.
2: And then the next thing that I think kind of grows Pam is that, you know, realizing that she fucked up and she lost Jim and he's dating Karen. Even the, like, symbolism of him coming back and sitting at the desk that now his back is facing to her. Just, oh. ugh. ugh. And you know what?
1: I just thought of this. This might be crazy. I'm going to say it out loud and see if it makes sense. I think she thinks it'd be easier just to not put yourself out there right and not yeah. be scary honest but then i think she realizes by choosing that you also lose mm-hmm. Ooh, Mm-hmm. she chose the safe option and she chose the bad option like she realized that the thing she was escaping from she still got which was that fear Ooh, this is an unfortunate thing that we don't get in real life where it works out perfectly that we get to see jim pine after pam and then we get the other side where we get to see Pam tried to fight for him, that sets up uh, an expectation for us in our lives to think that, oh, like each each person in the relationship gets to fight for the other person. And sometimes in a normal world, sometimes Pam would just start dating Jim. I have a friend that was like telling me that her boyfriend was just chasing after her for the longest time. And she finally was just like, yes, let's start dating. And a year into their relationship, she feels like she's chasing after him. That kind of started them off on unequal footing. It's like literally building a house, like not on solid foundation. The bathroom's
2: taller than your kitchen, guys. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) So good. And then I want to briefly speak to what we mentioned in the um, relatable content. And that's the moment where she thinks she can be Jim's friend by helping him with the Karen relationship. And realizing that she can't handle it. This is one of my favorite underrated moments of the show. Dwight comes over and is immediately like, Who did this to you? Where is he? And it's so good. And then he takes off his coat, and you think he's going to give it to Pam, and he ties it around his waist. <laughs> it is such a good joke. I was dying like he you feel like he's almost going to be like such a gentleman and it's like no he's still such a weirdo i don't do this this is a classic megan fitzgerald is like no talk to me about your relationship and i think i do it in a terrible self-sabotaging way because i'm hoping they're complaining about their relationship and then i get to hold on to my hope but the risk is that you say something and then the relationship gets better. And this is what happens with Jim and Karen. They do move through their problem and things do get better. And then you realize you did that. Yeah, you did that. And <laughs> that sucks. I think she needed to cry it out, though. I think we needed to see it. So now she's she's been broken down. And now we're going to go into art show that's really going to break her down. <laughs> now let's really get her vulnerable. She's in her little side ponytail. And then Gil calls it motel art and that it's not honest or brave. There's a lot of times where my shit isn't
1: figured out romantically or in my love life, and it puts an inauthentic strain on my uh, creative life or my work life. Mm. I want things to work out when my relationship stuff isn't working out.
2: Right. You're like, at least if my relationship isn't working out, my show is going to be great. Yeah. And it almost makes you
1: act inauthentically, just being like, I just, I like this project and want to finish it. Yeah. Maybe you don't like this project. You just want it to be done. You want to do something and you want to think of something else. And maybe that's not even like who you are, but you're just like, I'm making a SoundCloud album and I don't care if it sounds bad.
2: Right. And honestly, that if we want to like analyze Pam's art, you could argue that's what she's doing and she's being defensive about it because her art isn't about. The main thing going on in her life right now which is this heartbreak her art is about these very simple things you know these day-to-day things in her life which are like beautiful and lovely and like that speaks to the show in a way to find beauty in the simple things but she's not addressing how she really feels in her art after the art show is when she goes into the talking head that we talked about last episode where she's like Pammy's getting what she wants, and don't call me Pammy. This is her taking a stand, taking back her life. This is her, the wizard and nine. Yes. She's <laughs> ready to go. This is her so much better. Yes. This is the beginning of act two, Pam. Yeah. So the beginning of Act Two is the the Roy 2.0 relationship. A classic behavior of kind of scared people. Yeah. And I also think it's classic
1: behavior when someone has a major uh, revelation about themselves. Mm-hmm. I think It's like not abnormal to revisit an old relationship because mm. you know, maybe I was the problem here.
2: Interesting. Oh, yeah. I feel like that is, that is what it is, is. She's like, well, if I can go back and set these boundaries and be this type of person in the relationship, maybe it can work. Maybe I'll be happy. We're trying not to gender the whole thing. But I do think women really do think they can do this a lot more, where they're like, I can be the caretaker, I can be the bigger person, I can be better. And instead of raising any expectations for the partner, we do this, or we see friends do this all the time, where, you know, someone will quote, unquote, change. But really, all they're doing is truly the bare fucking minimum. Maybe they'll do one thing that's somewhat romantic. Like when he requests the song, their song at Phyllis's wedding. Okay, that might be
1: cute. But like, I mean, the whole moment where he walks into the fucking bar that they go to with his buddy and she's like, that's what a boyfriend does. I'm like, Pam, you're fucking happy that he showed up to this bar that he's not even going to like be very cordial at
2: what boyfriend duties are. I'm sorry, but we got to go back. We got to raise your standards. And and then even when he, you see it, when he does show up to the art show and he, the first thing he says is, oh man, I'm here. I bring my brother and no one from works here. His first comment isn't, I'm so proud of you. I know how long you've worked for this. It's look what I did. You showed up late, first of all. You showed up for 15 minutes and you left early. Yeah. But he like thinks he deserves all of this praise for this. And we see this with shitty boyfriends and I'm sure girlfriends too, but we see it with shitty boyfriends all the time. Yeah. And
1: I'll say also, I love that she gets back together with the boy for lots of reasons. Cause one, I think it like shows that she's like trying things out with her new perspective for like, I walk on fire, Pam. I also think it shows to her just desperately like not wanting to be alone. So she just goes back to that and then I also think it's like this other version that a lot of people go back to bad relationships because it's, they've been given some time and their body's natural response to like bad behavior was to push it down. Mm-hmm. And now after some time, they've kind of forgotten how shitty they are. They need to be proven it to them again. And yeah. it's unfortunate, but like this needs to happen sometimes with bad relationships. They do need to be reminded an extra time. Your loved ones are looking around like she didn't need this reminder.
2: Yeah. But right. Like
1: Pam needed it. Because like you said, Pam broke off the engagement because of Jim. And this time mm-hmm. she needs to break it up because of her.
2: Mm-hmm. Because of her. That's a great way to put it. The reason you're ending a relationship should not always be Because you met somebody better, I feel like the reason you should be ending a relationship should usually be because you in the relationship do not work.
1: Exactly. And I think that's what, though this is like a like a comedy, it is good to talk about when someone leaves a shitty relationship. It's, it's not always because there's a better option. It's also right. because that's a shitty relationship.
2: You're right. And she, we needed to see her do it, especially do it the way that she does with Roy being so violent and angry and problematic. Exactly. And I think you're right. I think we really did need to see her do that, not knowing that there would be anybody else for her. Exactly. Doing that, being like, I'd rather be alone than deal with this because I know I'm better.
1: Yeah. And I say that because it sucks that I've seen it a lot that you have a friend and you're like i don't know what they're doing going back even if it's just like oh we're just hooking up now we're like not anymore you have to give them grace because you're like they actually have to make this decision on
2: their own yeah so let's let's get into beach day walking on fire pam we'll start by playing playing the audio of pam's speech which i'm sure is uh many young girls audition monologues for uh their high school plays nowadays. <laughs>
1: Hi, Jilliard. I'm five five, and uh, this is a piece from Beach Day. Begin whenever you're ready.
2: I did the coal walk.
0: <laughs> Jim, I called off my wedding because of you, and now we're not even friends, and things are just like weird between us, and that sucks. And I miss you. You were my best friend before you went to Stanford, and I really miss you. I shouldn't have been with Roy there were a lot of reasons to call off my wedding. But the truth is, I didn't care about any of those reasons until I met you.
2: The cold walk does show bravery. And the speech does show honesty. Look, she did it. Look at it. It's like a writer put it on a whiteboard and
1: said, we need this woman to achieve these two things. Let's show it, not say it.
2: What is this speech about? Is it truly a confession of love? Is it about Jim? What is this moment about? Let's let's talk about it. That's a good point.
1: I'm like split right down the middle. You go first.
2: I don't think it's necessarily a confession of love. I think it's a demand to be met with some dignity. Don't even, I don't think the moment is all about him. You know, she says in the next episode, she's been bottling this up for years. It only took her three years to say it. But in some ways, I do think it is for Jim because I think she's finally admitting what she didn't have the courage to admit at the end of season two. And that's that she shouldn't have been with Roy. She's literally, she's still never said that to him. This is the first time she's saying it It's the first time she's saying it to Jim, but it might be the first time she's really admitting it to herself where she's saying she shouldn't have been with Roy and she called off the wedding because of Jim. And I think he needed to hear that to prove she's not in the same place that she was. She's still not in the denial that she was in at the end of season two. I think that's 100 percent it. I think this is her
1: clear headed. Finally sobers up and goes, I have to clean the bathroom. I have to clean the floor. (laughs) I think it is for Jim and I think it is for her. Like I do think proven herself that she's not supposed to be with Roy. She needs to prove to Jim that she knows it.
2: Yeah. Because
1: I think Jim knew. That she shouldn't be with Roy. And then she learned she shouldn't be with Roy. And then she had to show Jim that she believes she shouldn't be with Roy.
2: No, you're so right. Because in an earlier episode, she's like, I'm done with Roy. And he says, well, I don't know. We'll see. You guys are so great together. I'm sure you'll figure it out. So you're right. I think this is her needing to prove that she is not the same person that she was.
1: Yeah. And that's why this has to come after our show and all those things. because yes. This is about him. And this is her telling him that she's done the work like... I've done an autodrama. I've handled my stuff. And now I am bringing it to you. And I'm telling you I've done the work. This is so funny. It's coming out so uh, theater kitty today. But
2: that's where we're acting from. And what I also think is so important about this speech is that she doesn't take it back. And she doesn't regret it. And even in the next episode, which is the season three finale... Everyone makes fun of her for it. And even with Karen, when she has a confrontation with Karen and Karen's like, don't worry, everyone says stupid things like when they're not thinking. And she's like, no, I've been thinking that a long time and I don't regret it. I'm just sorry if it made you feel weird. That is so impressive.
1: And we needed that because, I mean, I keep talking about it, but the old Pam would have said I was drunk or this I was got influenced by a bug group of people. This time she's like, no, I'm actually the gays were right. I should be honest.
2: Exactly. (laughs) So this brings us to the final moment of season three, opening the door, the only time they really interrupt an interview with uh, with the documentarians, which I appreciate. Oh, and you know, I mean, I thought it, it's like, it's perfect. It's perfect. I love the overlapping of her audio, her interview, while you see him leaving New York and leaving his interview. I think it's so good. So maybe we'll play a little audio from
0: it. I haven't heard anything. But I bet Jim got the job. I mean, why wouldn't he? He's totally qualified and smart. Everyone loves him. And if he never comes back again, that's okay. We're friends. And I'm sure we'll stay friends. We just, we never got the timing right. I shot him down and then he did the same to me. And But you know what? It's okay. I'm totally fine. Everything is going to be totally fine. Sorry. Um, are you free for dinner tonight? Yes. All right. Then it's a date. We
2: just have to start with our general takes on this moment before we really analyze it, because I just... <sighs> Jenna Fisher turning back to the camera with tears in her eyes, I think is one of my favorite moments of acting in all of television.
1: I Honestly, I am right there with you. Ever since I worked on some stupid investigation discovery show once, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that was when I was introduced to a tear stick. Oh, these things that you like put on your eyes and you cry. And now every good moment where like somebody is like actually moved to tears. I'm just like, Lord God, please tell me Jenna not didn't, didn't use a tear stick. I don't <laughs> want to know. But she didn't No, it, this. This was like this was a moment. It was so sweet. Oh.
2: And what I love about it is in the moments before, and this is, this is why this moment is so brilliant. In the interview before, and actually the whole episode, the whole The Job, the big double episode finale, she gets to a point where... You see her be fine without Jim. She's like, I had fun with Dwight today. I'm hopeful about the future. And I really think she would be. And the few episodes leading up to this is her, like, she changes the tire by herself when they all Mm -hmm. go to the mall and they get stuck. And she's giving advice to Michael. And she's so forthright with what she thinks and with her opinion and she has fun in the office without him and i really do think the moment is so beautiful because you're like pan's fine she really is going to be good on her own and that was so important for her but then when jim comes in i think it's this moment of of course she's fine without him but her life is going to be better with him with him So she's going to get it all. And I think those tears are this moment of she's going to get everything she asked for, her power, her happiness, her honesty, her bravery, and more because she's going to get Jim.
1: And it's also coming
2: at a better time
1: because if this happened at casino night or after casino night, she wouldn't have this new found changes, tires, walks on fire. Yes. Now she's getting it even better. And that's like what we all wish for. You know, it's like. You want your other person, but like you want to be ready for that other person and like the order of it sometimes sucks. Sometimes you meet your other yeah. person and you're not ready or they're not ready or they're too ready and you're not ready. And this is like one of those moments that you think about all the time where timing eventually does work out.
2: Yeah. Be able to change a tire and walk on fire before you accept that date from, from your big person.
1: Yeah, so this is what it should happen. Your breakup's done, and then you have an art show immediately. After your art show, then <laughs> start trying to walk on fire. Once you walk on fire, um, your crush will walk into the
2: room wherever you are and ask, Wherever you are. Doesn't matter where you are, who you're talking to. They're going to appear.
1: <laughs> change tire, walk on fires, don't be Pammy, and then someone will walk in and change your
0: life.
2: You were manifesting it. This whole season is just manifesting. That's all she's doing.
0: Yeah, that's all she's
2: doing. Um, what do you think changes for Jim? What do you think is his aha moment.
1: Um there's a lot of aha moments for him I think especially one in the interview. He mm-hmm. has that huge aha moment. But I mean, I rewatched the episode the moments where he's like getting dinner with Karen Mm -hmm. looking for an aha moment because I knew what was going to happen. Right. And I was like, is this, am am I seeing him like not satisfied? Am I seeing him satisfied? I I couldn't put my finger on it.
2: I agree. I was so confused watching the whole New York sequence because I was like, they kind of do seem fine. I think what it is is that I think it mirrors what's going on with Pam, where Pam gets to a point where she's like, I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine without him. And I think you have to see Jim in a world where he could also be fine without her. He could move to New York and take this job opportunity and take a promotion and go to the Spotted Pig, which I think actually has closed. But he could have a good life and a fine time and and be genuinely fulfilled. But it's not where he belongs and i think when david wallace asks him where you see yourself in 10 years he realizes that it's not here it's fine but it's not belonging and i think what yeah. he has in scranton with pam is belonging
1: us looking for like something wrong was what we needed from that because you're watching these things and you're like are they gonna have a fight because like yeah in a- like a bad movie or a bad show, this time is when they get into a fight, and that's what I loved about The Office. And they, I mean, even with awkward comedic moments, they're really real and quiet and slow paced. And they do that with this. He should have friction leading up to when he decides this, but he doesn't. He actually is like peace, and it takes him jumping off the diving board, like in that interview when it like he puts it together. And I think it was like a lot of what we said, too, where it's associated kind of with that office. I think he's in this new office. He's sitting down. He's like, I I connect to people more than opportunities. Yeah. Especially when it comes down to the paper business. Right. Like this is different than other careers where it's like, no, he's going to actually follow his heart and not his resume, which is what Karen's doing. That's when he realizes, oh, listen, I had a great time with her, but this is not what I see myself wanting.
2: Yeah. Shitty of him to fully abandon Karen in New York. I'll give uh, her that. But also so (laughs) shitty of her to be like, you know my friends are at like a bar uh, yeah that's true Listen, we did this whole job
1: interview process together and like we've been making jokes about us doing this together the whole fucking time <laughs> and then at the one moment where i'm supposed to support you equally yeah. like you supported me i'm gonna go find these imaginary fucking friends that i don't have and go hang out with them.
2: yeah why the fuck does karen have friends in new york i don't believe it you've been living in stamford it's such
1: bullshit. Now, now you decide to go see them. Okay. Now that was the one moment where I was like, oh, okay, Karen's a bitch. Yeah. The best part about this is that she's like, not that evil because I want Jim to pick Pam. Not because she's, he's dating a Roy. I want him to pick Pam because she's Pam.
2: Oh, well said. All right. So that was a juicy of a season. <laughs> you guys there together. We, did it. we, we got there. Did it. So before we wrap it up, I want to go through this love triangle, the members of this love triangle, the Jims, the Karens, and the Pams. Do you have advice for for any of them? I want to start with Jim because I think I have the most advice for him. So I want to just get it out. I think if you're the Jim in the situation, There's a couple of shitty things that Jim does wrong that I would say, don't do this. One of the things he does wrong, which I would credit to this idea of Jim always needs to be the good guy, which if you want to hear me vent about good guys, you should go to the second episode of our OC season because I have a lot (laughs) to say about them. But it's this idea of not being able to be at odds with anybody needing to be liked by everybody. And what this looks like for him is he doesn't tell Karen about Pam as they move back to Scranton. She has to find out about it from someone else. And also he doesn't really tell Pam about Karen. She, he says, I've started seeing someone, but he doesn't tell her I'm seeing the woman who now works with us and sits 20 feet from you. And I just think he can't handle having a difficult conversation with either of them. So he doesn't have one at all. And that's shitty. That's shitty. Don't do that.
1: I think it's shitty to ignore when your partner is really fixated on something. If the people in your life are asking you about this one thing and the person you're supposed to care about and supposed to meet halfway is like really worried about this one thing and you're just on damage control, I think like you owe it to that person to have your self-reflection and figure out like what this person is fixated on. Don't take the time convincing your partner that they're wrong. Take the time figuring out if you're wrong um, exactly. and really, really figure that out before you work on changing someone's mind, I guess.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree. And if you don't want to, like if you're not willing to put in any of the work, maybe stop leading them on, Jim's. I think Jim knew that he wasn't willing to put in the work to be a boyfriend to Karen. And so he's a shitty boyfriend. So if you're just out here complaining about going on dates, complaining about having talks, then you're not into them. And it's unfair to keep them on your line for so long. 100%. Like mainly,
1: if you're having multiple long conversations a night, Please have those conversations, honestly, with yourself and with your partner. Yeah. Don't roll your eyes about having them and like not be there.
2: Right. Right. Which leads us nicely into the Karens. Oh, our dear sweet Karens, rocking your pantsuits out there. (sighs) Rocking your jewel tones. I'd say keep rocking those jewel tones. Keep doing you. About the long talks, here's what I'll say. I I mean, clearly, I love long talks about relationships. That's literally what this podcast (laughs) is. But... I do think if you have to do it for five nights in a row after dating for less than six months, that's the other thing, too. It's not like they're years into a relationship. If you And then you do all that and you still have a hug that cringy the next day. And then you have to like tell the camera that you're better than ever. You know you're not. I think relationships are work, and that's very valid and true. But when it becomes too much work, that yeah. it's just a lack of chemistry and a lack of belonging. I think you're better than that. And you deserve somebody who either wants to have those conversations with you or those conversations are easier.
1: There's a point where Karen switches from following her gut to ignoring her gut
2: Um, Mm. and using using
1: Jim to help her ignore it. I don't think he he gave her any evidence to ignore her gut. Mm -hmm. So just be a good lawyer about it. Use your evidence and like don't be a blackout drunk infant at a party like really do your work
2: yeah be an L woods about it L woods your way out of that relationship <laughs> legally blonde it out <laughs> and to Pam the pams of the love triangle i think like what we said over and over
1: again like you learn for nobody besides yourself mm-hmm. like even though other people could get caught in the crossfire of your growth You don't grow for anyone besides you. This was Mm -hmm. for you, Pam, and not for Jim and not for
2: Roy. It was for you. You walked on fire for you. For you. (laughs) Because if you walk on fire for anyone else, you're going to look like Dwight literally melting in the fire for Michael. There's two types of people
1: and you'll be that type. So don't do it.
2: I would say take more time to be alone because that's when you, I think she learned the most and I think that was key in all of this this whole season I'm glad that she got this season to be solo and in yeah. my opinion I think maybe they should have had more time to be solo but more on that next
0: episode
2: <laughs> yes okay everyone that is all we have for you this episode next episode we're going to talk about them finally being together forever ever, ever, forever ever. Right? Don't they walk down the aisle of that zone? Yes, that was fun. Yes. We're going to go from fun run to the wedding and all the stages of their early relationship, the proposal, the flash mob, Niagara Falls, all of it. So oh, tune fair. in. And in the meantime, you can find us uh, on Instagram at Talking Ship Podcast. And, uh, you know, let us know about oh god if you've been in a jim pam karen love triangle please let us know what you did to get out of it and uh, what advice from this show you would take if any
1: you deserve to be sent cookies comment on these posts
2: i'll send you cookies with all my money or at least i will compliment your jewel tones yes, yeah <laughs> oh all right and we will see you all next week choo choo All right. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been Talking Ship. Thank you to the Believe Podcast Network for helping make this show happen. And everyone tune in every Thursday as we continue to make our way through the Jim and Pam relationship. It's ups, it's downs, and what we can hopefully all learn from it. And if you had a nice time, we'd love if you could rate and review the podcast. And if you had such a nice time that you want to keep track of what we're up to, you can follow the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast. You can follow the wonderful and hilarious Angela Giratana on Instagram at Giovanna Giratana. Ready? I'll spell it. It's at G-I-O-V-A-N-A. G-I-A-R-R-A-T-A-N-A and you can follow me at OnlyMegan815. So send us your thoughts on Jim and Pam, on Roy, on Karen, what you loved, what we missed, and what you want us to discuss. So I hope you enjoyed and, you know, remember, never, ever, ever give up. See you next week.